Good morning, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you for inviting us to partner with you and help plant churches around the world. Lord, we think of all of our church planters around the world and pray that you, Holy Spirit, would fall fresh on them and encourage them and their congregation and that the gospel would be spreading rapidly around the world through your church. We pray particularly for Ken and Reith that you would encourage them, that you would continue to use them to recruit and train and support church planters in Manipur State in India. Lord, for the churches we've helped to plant there, they have a big vision to reach every household in their villages for Christ. We pray that that would become a reality. We're here today because we need you. Some of us are here today with broken hearts, and Lord, I pray that you would mend broken hearts. Others are, are incredibly thankful, and so we give you thanks. The one thing that all of us have in common in this room is we all need you. So as we open up your word, we pray that you would speak and that lost people would be one to you and and believers would be built and and workers would be equipped and disciple makers would be multiplied. Lord, we pray that what happens here would overflow throughout our community this week and that, that we would go and tell others what we've learned today. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to clarify something to start with. Today's message is called Living Stones. <laughs> with, with my background, I just want to make sure I say the S, right? It's Living Stones, not Living Stoned, okay? Make sure you hear it correctly. We didn't, don't go tell that we learned in church today about how to be Living Stoned, okay? That wasn't it. We're going to be learning about Living Stones. Now, <clears throat> I've shared before, but I love it. You know who Lucy is, her little brother Linus. And Lucy walks in the room, and Linus is watching television. And Lucy tells Linus, change the station, change the channel. And Linus says, how can you just walk in here and tell me to change the channel and think I will? So Lucy holds up her hand and says, see these five fingers? Individually, they don't look like much. But when they're bound together into a tight fist, they become a weapon formidable to behold. So know what Linus did? He got up and changed the channel. And then after he did that, he looked at his own fingers and said, uh, why can't you guys get it together? (laughs) We are walking through 1 Peter because we're seeking to equip you to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed that our culture is less and less friendly to Christians? That's why we're doing this series. We want to equip you to follow Jesus in an increasingly hostile culture. And we believe a very important part of equipping you is that we do this together, that we do this together in a local church, that we understand the local church and how the local church fits into the big church, into the church. So here's what we're going to be exploring today. It's a rather long point that Jesus is the precious cornerstone of his church. So what we're going to learn today is the church has a cornerstone, and and his name is Jesus. The Bible is the foundation, and then there's a foundation for the church, which is the Bible, and that we are living stones, okay? That's where we're going. So to help you remember, will you read this with me? Jesus is the precious cornerstone of his church, The Bible is the foundation, and we are living stones. 
That was okay, but you can do better. Let's do it one more time. Jesus is the precious cornerstone of his church. The Bible is the foundation, and we are living stones. This is really important. If we're going to follow Jesus in a hostile culture, it's so important we understand where the church fits in and how we fit into the church. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. As we left off the story before Father's Day, we learned that the Bible is very, very important. Indeed, it is the foundation of the church. <clears throat> so 1 Peter 2.4, and coming to him, uh, it's talking about coming to Jesus. And this Greek verb for coming to Jesus is that the church is made up of people who come to Jesus to stay. The idea is that we come and we keep coming. We come to stay. We come to be friends. Coming to him as to a living stone. He's going to be comparing the New Testament temple with the temple that existed in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, there was a temple made out of stone. But what Jesus is doing now, he's building a new temple, and it's made up of living stones. And Jesus is the living stone. He's the precious cornerstone. So what is the church? People that are coming to Jesus as to a living stone which has been rejected by men. What did, what did the world do to Jesus? What did it do? It, it rejected him, right? He was spit on and crucified, right? The one we come to was rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. Wow, God's own son, rejected by men, but so precious to his father, right? For God, what, so loved the world that he gave what? His only begotten, his one and only son, the son whom he loved so much. Why? That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Wow. So what is the church? The church is people who consider Jesus precious. They come to the one rejected by our culture, but choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, as living stones, when we come to Jesus, the living stone, the precious cornerstone gives life to us, and we become the living stones that Jesus is building his church out of. Not like the temple in Jerusalem made of stones that were dead. This church, united to Christ, is made up of living stones, and you and I are those living stones. We are being built up together, connected to Christ and to each other, are being built up as a spiritual house. Not a, not a building in Jerusalem, but a spiritual house uh, for a holy priesthood. The temple in Jerusalem had a cornerstone. It had a foundation. It had priests. It had sacrifices, right? The church Jesus is building has a cornerstone, Jesus. It has a foundation, the Bible. It has priests. Do you know who the priests are? You and me. We're all priests. Holy, that means Jesus chose us. He set us apart for a very special purpose. We're all priests. That was one of the battle cries of the Protestant Reformation, the priesthood of all believers. We're all a holy priesthood. And notice... And, and just like there were sacrifices in, in the temple in Jerusalem, we too to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad it's, it's a New Testament church? You know what they did, right? They killed all those animals. Aren't you glad we don't come and hack up all those animals? But we do have sacrifices. They are spiritual sacrifices that we lift up. And all our sacrifices are flawed, so we lift them up and they're acceptable to God through Jesus. For this is contained in Scripture. 
Okay? The Bible is the foundation. And here the Bible is the foundation, okay? It's the foundation for the church. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone. There it is. Jesus is the precious cornerstone of his church. Now, if there's a building today and there's a corn, cornerstone, it's just kind of ornamental, ornamental, but it wouldn't have been then. In, in a building then, the first stone laid in a, in a building would be the cornerstone. It was the first. It was the most important. The whole building would be set out, would be set out from that cornerstone. Isn't that what it's like in the church? Isn't it? That we come to the precious cornerstone and then he builds his church out of those stones that he brings to life. Uh, precious cornerstone. He sets the direction of the building. He supports the building. And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. <laughs> ever put your faith in someone who disappointed you? Like, that ever happened? But listen, we're told that the precious cornerstone will never disappoint us. This precious value then is for you who believe. <clears throat> Do you know what precious means? There's no one like Jesus. Are you a Christian? Are you? Is that true for you that you would say there is what? There is no one like Jesus. Isn't that true? Isn't it? You guys there? Amen, right? There is no one like him. You know what it means? It means he's treasure. It means he's more valuable than anything in the world. If there was only one thing we would have, we would choose Jesus, right? Because he is the precious cornerstone. But notice this precious value then is for you who believe. He's precious to us, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected. The world rejects the one. This became the very cornerstone. The very one that's the cornerstone of our church is the one that our culture has rejected, right? And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Why do people stumble over Jesus? Why do people stumble over the gospel? Well, the Bible, the gospel says we're sinners, right? And people don't like to hear that, and so they stumble. And the Bible says, the gospel says there's only one way, and people stumble over that. And the gospel says we can't save ourselves, and that causes people to stumble. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. For they stumble because they are disobedient to the word, and to this doom they were also appointed. So we walked through this, and what we saw is that Jesus is the precious cornerstone of his church, that the Bible is the foundation for the church, and that we are living stones. So, so let's go back to verse 7. This precious value, then, is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve. So here's my question to you. How precious is Jesus to you? How precious? Is he the most precious treasure to you, is he? Listen, is he your precious treasure? When, for some, he's precious. For others, for others, he's a stumbling block. And that reminds me of 1 Corinthians 1, verse 18. Look at this verse. <clears throat> for the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Uh, to, to those that are perishing, the, the idea of... Uh, of Jesus being a treasure or precious makes no sense at all. The word of the cross, it's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So let me ask you, is the word of the cross to you foolishness? Who cares whether someone died and rose long ago, or is that treasure to you? Which is it? Um, the word of the cross, 
The word of the cross is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it contains bad news and good news. And the word of the cross says to us, cheer up, you are much worse than you think you are. Did you know that? Isn't that what the cross shouts? The cross shouts to us what Jesus experienced is what we deserve for our sin against him. Do you ever look at Jesus on the cross and say, that's what I deserved? Do you know why we deserve that? Because we've sinned against God. I've been reading through the Bible this year, and it's been amazing to me how personal sin is. We sin against God over and over again. And God says what we deserve is exactly what Jesus experienced on the cross, which is hell itself. So the word of the cross screams, cheer up, you're much worse than you think you are. But the cross screams, cheer up, God's love is so much greater than you ever imagined. You ever wonder how much God loves you? Listen, God the Son put on flesh. And as Jesus hung on a cross, you know what he said? I love you this much. He says, listen, I love you so much that I would rather go to hell than spend eternity without you. Because that's what he did for us. He went to hell and experienced what we deserve so that we could spend eternity with him. He stretched out his hands on the cross, took our sins, and died in our place. And then he rose on the third day, and he offers us salvation. Are you saved? And you say, from what? Well, from our sin. Uh, we're saved from our sin. We're saved from eternal death. We're saved from wasting our lives. We're saved for what? We're saved for forgiveness. We're saved for eternal life, to do life with Jesus now and to do life with him forever. And how can a person be saved? In Romans 10, don't miss this because it's so simple that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, have you ever done that? Have you ever surrendered? <laughs> The rebellion stops, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, being saved starts on the inside in our heart, and then it comes out of our mouth. It, 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 it's as simple as ABC where we admit and then believe and commit. There was a day I admitted that I've sinned, and if you've never done that, won't you do that today? Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry, won't you? And then we believe, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. I can't believe you did that for me, but thank you. Won't you believe? And then we commit, Jesus, I'm not going to trust in being good anymore. I'm going to transfer my trust for myself to you, and I'm trusting you to forgive me. I'm trusting you for eternal life. Save me. And it means that we trust Jesus as Lord. We surrender. Today the rebellion stops. You're Lord. You lead. I'll follow. Won't you? Listen. Jesus is building his church out of people who admit, believe, and commit to him. When we believe in Jesus, we're connected to Jesus. Then it's really important we're connected to his church, to a local church. And it's important to understand in the local church that Jesus is the precious cornerstone. He's the precious cornerstone of his church. Do you see that in verse 6? <clears throat> I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone. Do you see that in verse 7? This precious value is for you who believe. Is Jesus precious to you? 
I, I want to share with you why Jesus is precious for me, okay? Here's why. In John 14, 6, notice what Jesus said. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Know why Jesus is precious to me? He's my only hope. Do you know that religion teaches that you have to be good to go to heaven? If you had to be good to go to heaven, I wouldn't have a chance. But do you know what Jesus did? He came to seek and save sinners. He's my only hope for heaven. Isn't he yours? That's why he's so precious. I have no hope but him. He's the way, right? Oh, know why Jesus is precious to me? Not only is he the way, he's the, he's the what? He's the truth. Don't you love truth? Don't, you, don't we live in a very morally confused culture where right and wrong are changed every day? I love Jesus, don't you? Because when I come to Jesus, I find the truth. If I want to know where did everything come from, if I want to know what went wrong, if I want to know how to fix it, if I want to know where's history going, I come to the truth. If I want to know how many sexes there are, if I want to know what marriage is, if I want to know where sex belongs, I come to Jesus and I find the truth. Is he precious to you? That's how the church is different from the world. Jesus is the cornerstone. He's the precious cornerstone. He's the way. He's the truth. Oh, man. He's the life. I've been walking with him for a long time. Life is so much better with Jesus. He came so that we would have life and have it abundantly, right? Oh, Jesus is the precious cornerstone of the church. He's precious. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. That's why we come to him. That's what 1 Peter 2 is talking about and coming to him. We come and come and come because Jesus is the precious cornerstone. Okay, so we got that right, that, that Jesus is the precious cornerstone. Now let's move on to the Bible. The Bible is the foundation. The Bible is the foundation that the church is built on. We build our lives. We build our church on God's word. Don't we see that in verse 6? For this is contained in Scripture. Scripture is the Bible, God's word. Don't we see that in verse 8? They are disobedient to the word. But to help you understand how the Bible is the foundation of the church, I want to show you in Ephesians 2. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. You ever look around our culture and say, I, I, I really don't feel at home here? You ever say that? I hope you do. That's good. You shouldn't fit in in our culture. Where we belong is in the church. That's our community. And when we believe in Jesus, we're no longer uh, strangers and aliens. We're, we're part of God's family. We're part of his church. Now listen to what it says next about God's household, the church, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So Jesus is the first stone, the cornerstone, but the foundation, the foundation is the word of the prophets, the word of the apostles and prophets. How do we know who Jesus is? How do we know? How do we know what Jesus said? How do we know? We know because what? Because the Holy Spirit inspired men to write down the word of God, and that's the foundation for the church. We're built on God's word. Uh, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole body being fitted together. 
See, we get fitted to the cornerstone, right? We're, we're fitted together. We're, we're built on that foundation, right? Uh, is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. <laughs> I mean, it started with the tabernacle, right? The tabernacle was where God dwelt on earth, right? And then a little bit after that, there was the temple and that, right? And then Jesus came to earth, right? And when Jesus was here, the word became flesh. And, and that's where he, but now he lives in his people. Now Jesus lives in his church. The cornerstone is Jesus. The foundation is the church. We're the living stones being built together into that temple, right? In whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. Uh, God dwells in his church. The foundation is Jesus, or the, the cornerstone is Jesus. The foundation is God's word. Let me show you another verse that teaches this. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, I am writing these things to you, hoping to come to you before long, but in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. This building is not the church. The people, we're the church. And, and on Sundays, we gather together. And then on Mondays, we scatter right throughout the community. We're always the church. We're always his household. Whether we're gathered or scattered, and how should we behave as the household of God, as the temple of God, as his church, which is the church of the living God. Our God is alive, the pillar and support of the truth. Listen, the foundation of the church, the foundation of the church is the word of God. And I want you to know something. Satan, Satan always attacks God's word. From the garden to today, Satan always says, has God really said? Has God really said? I want you to understand something. Good news is a very flawed church. They even let me be the pastor here, okay? But I want you to know there is one thing we have right we believe the foundation of the church is the Word of God, and we believe the Bible is the Word of God. We believe the Bible is inspired. That means that God breathed into men who wrote down exactly what God intended. We believe because the Bible is inspired, it's inerrant. And that is, when God breathed into men, they wrote down exactly what God intended, and the Bible was originally given was without error. It's inspired, it's inerrant, it's infallible. That means it's trustworthy. We can build our lives and our church on it and we'll never be disappointed. God will never say, whoops, whoops. No, it's all true, it's trustworthy. It's inspired, it's inerrant, it's infallible, it's authoritative, it speaks with authority. We sit under the scriptures to determine what we believe. We sit under the scriptures to determine what to do. It has the right to command our belief and action. It is inspired. It is inerrant. It is infallible. It is authoritative. And it is sufficient. Everything we need to know to be equipped for every good work is in his word. Everything we need to know to grow as a disciple and be a disciple maker is in his word. And this is why the world will hate us. I want you to know there is a moral and sexual revolution that's sweeping across our country. And what stops the revolution? First, the family, right? And is there not an effort in our country to destroy the family? Isn't there? There is, isn't there? And then it's to destroy the church because the church is the pillar and support of truth. Didn't Jesus teach us this when he prayed for us? 
In John 17, Jesus' great prayer, he says, I have given them, help me, your word, the word of God. And the world has hated them because they're not of the world, even as I am not of the world. How did the world treat Jesus? How did the world treat him? They what? They killed him. They murdered him. So why would we think that the world that murdered Jesus would think we're swell? Hmm? You know why the world will hate us? Because we say Jesus is the way. And when we say Jesus is the way, we will be hated and people will say we're intolerant. And listen, when we say Jesus is the truth, we will be hated. We will be called intolerant. People will say we're on the wrong side of history. We need to get with it. And when we see Jesus is the life, we will be hated. We will be hated, okay? The church, this is really important. We get connected to Jesus. He wants us to connect to his church. That Jesus is the precious cornerstone. The Bible is the foundation. And we, we are living stones. Back to 1 Peter. And coming to him... As a church, we come to Jesus together as a living stone. He alone gives life, which has been rejected by men. Listen, he's rejected by men, but he's choice and precious in the sight of God. You also, all of us, are living stones. Jesus is building his church out of you and me. He's bringing us together. Our being built up. As we grow in Christ as disciples, the church is growing. As we reach out and make disciples of others, the church is growing. Our being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood. All of us are priests, all of us, to offer up spiritual sacrifices. So listen, we're all priests, and we're to offer spiritual sacrifices. And I'm really thankful. I imagine you are too. I think you're glad when we gather on Sundays, you don't bring some animal and have to hack them up. Aren't you glad? But we do bring sacrifices. Let me show you. In Romans, we've been reading Romans. Haven't you enjoyed that? In most of Paul's letter, he spends the first half is all gospel. It's all indicatives. This is all that God has done for you. And then there's a point where he changes, and it goes into how the gospel is meant to transform your life. And then it's all imperatives. What we're going to get to in Romans this week is that turning point. It's that turning point from what God has done for us to how we respond. And that's why he says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God... 11 chapters, this is all God has done for you. Here's how you respond. To present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice. That's why we come. That's why we get up each morning to give our bodies a living and holy sacrifice uh, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Well, what does that mean? We get up and say, Lord, these are my hands. Help me to serve others the way you've served me. Lord, thank you for my feet. Help me to take Jesus everywhere I go to get. Lord, thank you for my eyes. Help me to see people the way you see them. Thank you for my ears. Help me to listen to your word and to listen to others. Here's my mouth. May I share how great you are with others. Do you get up and give your body as a living and holy sacrifice? Okay, let me, let me show you. So one is our bodies. Here's another one in Hebrews 13. Through him, through Jesus, then let us continually offer up a, what, a sacrifice. There's the word, right? And so what's our sacrifice of praise and, uh, and uh, to, get to God? That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. Um, you know the difference between praise and thanksgiving, do you? Praise is focusing in on who God is, right? You're great, you're holy, you're Father, Son, 
Thanks is thanking him for what he's done, right? Thank you for forgiving me. So listen, when we gather together and we worship God, our praise, our thanksgiving, our singing, listen, it is, it is a sacrifice to God that is pleasing to him. And then listen, as we go out, as we go out and we share with others how amazing God is as we praise him and thank him in the presence of others, our witness is a sacrifice that's pleasing to God. So our bodies, our worship, our witness. Now notice it goes on, and do not neglect doing good and sharing for with such, what? Sacrifices God is pleased. So what are other sacrifices? Doing good. What's another sacrifice? Sharing. When we gather on Sunday morning, maybe we work in the nursery and we welcome children. Listen, our service is a sacrifice that's, that's pleasing to God. When we give, when we bring our tithes and offerings in, our giving is a sacrifice. And I want to thank you for giving. Thank you. This week, I met with two ladies. One of the ladies is dying, and the other lady is her friend, helping her through a really difficult time. And they wanted to get together and, and see if we as a church would host a memorial service for them. And... Uh, she said, listen, I want my family and I want my friends and those that I work with, I want them to come and, and, and to hear the gospel. Could we have that at Good News? She's recently moved here. And, and I said, sure, we'd love to do that. And then she asked me, how much would it cost? Let me ask you a question. How much should our church charge this lady to have a service? How much do you think? Zero. Zero, right. And that's why you give, isn't it? You give so we can be the body of Christ and we can minister to people when they need it the most and host a service to proclaim the gospel to all the people who will come. Thank you. Thank you. That's why we give. Thank you. It was so good to say it would be our pleasure to proclaim the gospel at your service. So there's our bodies. There's our worship. There's our witness, there's our service, there's our giving. One more, one more. In Romans 15, uh, the Apostle Paul writes, but I have written very boldly to you on some points so as to remind you again because of the grace that was given me from God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Do you know before Paul met Jesus, he used to stone people to death, right? And Jesus called him to be a living stone. Which do you think he found better? Hmm? He said it was God's grace that instead of putting people to death, he's given me the opportunity to see the dead people come to life, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. As Paul went and preached and lost people were won and believers were built up and workers were equipped and disciple makers were multiplied, that was his sacrifice, his offering to the Lord. And we get to do that too. Listen, when, when we go out, because we're all a holy priest, we're all living stones, when we share the gospel and we see people one to Christ, when we invest in people and build them, when we equip and when we multiply, we're lifting up an offering that's pleasing to God. So, listen, we connect to Jesus. That's where it starts. And then we connect to his body and we discover that Jesus, Jesus is the precious cornerstone. We discover the Bible. The Bible is the foundation and that we're living stones. We're a holy priesthood, right? So that leads us to our action step for the, 
week, which is I want you to come to Jesus and find your place in his church. Come to, he's the cornerstone, right? If you want to find where you fit in the body, you come to the cornerstone, right? And isn't that what it started with? And coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God. We're all living stones. We all have a part to play. We're all holy priests, right? So you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. People often ask me, well, Smiley, where is good news? And I'll say, well, on Sunday or Monday? And they'll say, what? I say, listen, Good News Church gathers on Sunday. We gather on Sunday at our two campuses. We gather together on Sundays, and then we scatter. We scatter Monday through Saturday, right? Do you know why we gather? We gather on Sundays because we are needy people. We are needed and needed. We're a living stone. We need Jesus and others to be connected to, to be his church. We are a needy, needed people. We're a holy priesthood. We need other priests to be a part of. We come to worship, right? Because that's a sacrifice we lift up. We come to serve. Do you know that many of our ministry teams were decimated by COVID? Did you know that? Our children's team, our hospitality team, their teams were decimated. There are so many places for you to find your place in the body and to serve. But I want you to know it's not just serving on a team. All of us are living priests. All of us are a holy priesthood. And that's why we come on Sundays. We come early and we come excited because we're a living stone. We're a part of the body. And we come early because a guest might come and we want to be there to welcome them the way Christ has welcomed us. And when it's time for the service, you know why we're in the seats? Do you know the first thing the Bible says happens to people when they're filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you know what it says? They sing to one another. Check it out. It's in Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, that when people are filled... And do you know why we sing to one another? You know why we're in our seats? Because the people we're sitting next to might have had a really, really, really bad week. And Jesus has called us to be his body, to sing to them, to sing to them so that they might know how precious they are to Jesus. Listen, we're gathered as living stones in a holy priesthood to worship the Lord. We're needy. We're needed. We sing to one another. We serve one another. And we are served, right? Isn't that why we gather together? Uh, we gather together to hear God's word. We gather together to be reminded that Jesus is the precious cornerstone. He's the one must have, right? That's the church gathered. It's like that in small group, too. Listen, in small group, you're a living stone. It matters whether you're there or not. You're a holy priest. If you're not there, a part of the team is, is missing. We gather as, whole, as, as needy, needed people. You need it, but people need you. And if you're not there, if you're not there, other people miss you because you're a part of his body. Oh. We live in a hostile culture. Have you realized that? Do you realize how precious it is when we gather together to sing to one another and encourage one another and build up one another so we can go back out into a hostile culture? Do you realize how precious it is when we gather in small groups? We gather to encourage and build up one another because it's hard. It's hard to follow Jesus out there, isn't it? 
You guys there? It is, isn't it? So we gather, and then good news scatters. You know why we scatter? Because there's 200,000 people in our county who don't know Jesus. And how are they going to hear about him? If not the church that gathers, then goes to what? Scatter, and we tell other people how amazing Jesus is, right? Listen, as we scatter, we scatter to be the body of Christ and to win and to build and to equip and to multiply, don't we? There's a rhythm to the church. We gather and we scatter, right? And then we gather in small groups and then we scatter, right? So this week, let's come to Jesus. Let's come to Jesus and find our place in the body. You know why that's so important? How often do we think, well, I'm just the only one, right? I'm just one person. But can, can we remember Lucy? Remember her fingers? Remember what she said individually, what? They don't amount to much, right? But when they're bound together into a tight ball, they become a weapon formidable to behold. Dear people, individually, we're just living stones. We're just a stone, right? But oh, when we come together, when we come together, listen, and, and, and we're connected to the precious cornerstone and we're built on the foundation of God's word and we're all living stones, we become a weapon formidable to behold. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth and stretching out your hands on a cross and telling us you loved us that much. Thank you. Listen, if you've never been saved, won't you be today? Won't you admit to him, Jesus? I've sinned against you, and, and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come into my life and, and, and be my Savior. and Forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark it on your card? We'd love to, to celebrate with you. Jesus, we're thankful that when you left, you poured out your spirit and you left your church here on earth. And Lord, we're thankful for what we learned today, that you're the cornerstone, the precious cornerstone, and, and we have truth. The Bible is true in the foundation and that we are living stones. And so I pray when Sunday comes, we would gather as living stones, as holy priests. When, when small group night happens, we would gather together as holy, as living stones and holy priests. We would gather because we need you so much and we need each other and we're needed. And then Lord, I pray Monday through Friday as we scatter that we would go out as your body. We would go out as your body to serve people and to proclaim to others how amazing you are. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.